Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Yesterday we spoke about managing our finances God's way and also we spoke about six deeper issues can be the roots of the conflict between couples. Today I like to speak about friendship in marriage. There has to be a strong friendship between the husband and the wife because friendship guarantees the permanence of the marriage. I'm sure all of us, we had friends from our childhood and we still until now, we have a strong connection with them. So keeping the friendship in marriage will help in affirming the concept of covenant in marriage. And when they get old, they, the marriage will not be boring. Because sometimes if they lost the friendship during you know raising their children and working, everyone is busy. Then when the children are graduated and they are married, if there is no friendship and the parents now are retired, they can suffer from boring time because they lost the friendship. There is nothing to talk about. There is no common activities among them. That's why it is very important for the spouse to make the other spouse the closest friend to him or to her. If you as a husband, you feel that you have a closest friend than your wife, or if you as a wife, you feel that you have a closest friend than your husband, then you are losing the friendship in your marriage. Friendship should be more than one level. The first level is the spiritual level. They have to have a common spiritual life. For example, go to church together, take communion together, fast together, pray together, study the scripture together in their homes. When they do things together, this will strengthen the friendship between them. Especially if God, through all this spiritual activity, is the one who is uniting them and bringing them together. Also, the emotional intimacy. When we satisfy each other's emotional needs, this will strengthen the friendship and will protect both the husband and wife from seeking friendship outside the marriage. Sometimes when the emotional needs are not satisfied in the marriage because they lost the friendship, Satan may tempt the husband or the wife to find a friend to satisfy the emotional needs. And this can be a slippery slope toward sin at the end. Also, the intimate, the physical relationship between the husband and the wife can also strengthen the friendship between both of them. And when each one satisfies the physical needs for the other person, this strengthens the bond. That's why St. Paul made it a point 
in his first letter to Corinthians, chapter 7, when he spoke about marriage, and he said, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And do not deprive one another, except with consent, for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here St. Paul emphasizes the importance of this physical intimacy, and this will help also in the friendship. And the last level, the common life, when they live together in the same household for so many years, so living together, this actually should strengthen the relationship, especially if they are aware not to let conflict separate them from each other. So, the spiritual intimacy, the emotional intimacy, the physical intimacy, and living together, we call it the common life intimacy. These four things actually can help the friendship. One of the beautiful passages about the friendship, we can find it in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, from verse 8 to 12. King Solomon said, There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors. He works a lot. Nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This is also a vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one. That's why when God created Adam, if you think about it, Adam has no stress from the common stressors that we are facing right now. So, Adam didn't have mortgage, he has to pay, didn't have bills, he has to pay, he did not uh, have a boss uh, to control him or give him hard time. He was living in a garden, all his needs are satisfied, you know, very, very beautiful life. But Adam was not happy. And he was jealous, even from the animals. He found for each animal and bird there is a companion. But from him, for himself, he did not find. Because God created our souls, relational souls. What do you mean relational souls? Our souls grow in relationship. That's why even God affirmed this need. He did not blame Adam and he told him, why are you complaining? You have everything. But God said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. Of course, monasticism is different because the person also has friendship, but friendship with God, friendship with the cloud of witnesses. And the complete solitary monasticism did not actually survive for a long time. And the example of the, the successful style of monasticism, what we have right now, everyone has his own cell, but many monks live together. And we can find friendship between monks. And in the life of monastic fathers, we can find like, yeah, friends, Maximus and Demetrius, like Abullo and Abib, Abraham and Gawargi. And they helped each other to grow in their relationship with God. That's why King Solomon said, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, for has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, 
they will keep warm but how can one be warm alone though one may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken so if we analyze this passage we find many many blessings in friendship in marriage number one companionship that's the first blessing that's why he said two are better than one as i told you our souls are relationship relational souls and grow in relationship that's why you know in marriage i will find my friend through whom actually my soul will grow and her soul or his soul will grow also i remember when i joined the monastery i heard from the elders they emphasized on the importance of living in the community of the the monastery before thinking or considering solitary life and they used to tell us he who start monasticism by solitary life he will grow while his thorns is still in him what do they mean by this thorns are the passions are the weaknesses the sins when i interact with others i will discover my thorns i will discover that i have no patience i get angry easily i have no uh, self control i am greedy I-, i want to control i am i want to put my first before others so while i'm discovering my thorns i'll start through the grace of god and the guidance of the spiritual father to clean myself from all these thorns but if i went to solitary life immediately then i did not have chance to purify and clean all these thorns from myself that's why even the elders monastic life they say number one you need to excel and complete all the virtues of the community and after you achieve the virtues of the community here only you can consider solitary life and those who start a solitary life early they struggle in their solitary life so the first blessing of having two persons living together in marriage through my interaction with the other i will discover also my weaknesses i will discover that i am a selfish person i am angry person i have no patience no long suffering so when i discover my weaknesses not to cover them and to defend them no it's opportunity actually to repent and return back to god the second point that as king solomon said they have a good reward for their labor what does this mean if the person the husband by himself that's his productivity and the wife that is her productivity when they work together and they plan together the productivity of the couple are more than the sum of the productivity of the of the husband plus the productivity of the wife understand this that's what's called synergy so when they work together think together plan for their family together they will have greater reward as king solomon said because the productivity of them together are more than the sum of the productivity of the husband plus the productivity of the wife that's what again what we call synergy so both of them when they think and plan as yesterday i i said in the uh, managing our finances god's way when i said they plan together with all honesty 
and they make financial goals or any goals for their family and plan how to achieve these goals, then both of them will have a good reward. The third point that King Solomon mentioned, support. As he said, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Friendship in marriage will make the couple support each other. If I'm struggling with one point in my life, the spouse will support me in my struggle. And even in in the secular world, they found that the support group are very, very important if you want to change. If you want any change in your life, you cannot do it by yourself. You need to have support. Because through this support group, you will be encouraged. You will be comforted. They will hold you accountable. And all of this actually help you to change. Number four in friendship, there is what we call warmth. Warmth. As he said, if they if the two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? What do I mean by warmth? All of us who have needs. How can my needs be satisfied? How can my emotional needs be satisfied? How can my psychological needs be satisfied? Mental needs, intellectual needs, physical needs. In marriage, through this friendship and this intimacy, spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, intimacy, physical intimacy, through this intimacy, the person will feel warm. His heart is, is satisfied. He's not looking outside to find who will satisfy his needs. As also King Solomon said, the soul that is satisfied despise honey. But for a hungry soul, even what is bitter, B-I-T-T-R, what's bitter, uh, seems good. And the last point is protection. As King Solomon said, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And if Satan is working or trying to destroy me, when two actually pray together and stand against Satan together, through the grace of God, they will overpower Satan. You know one interesting point that the Lord Jesus Christ said the harvest is plenty but the laborers are few. Then when he sent the disciples in ministry, he sent them two by two. He has 72 disciples. If he sent each one by himself, he would have sent them into 72 places. But he chose to send them two by two to 36 places instead of 72. Why? Because two are better than one. One can drift away easily. One can be tempted. One can be trapped in any snare. But two will help each other. There is protection when we are two together. Definitely in marriage, when there is friendship in marriage, we will find these five things. We will find the companionship, the productivity, the support, the warmth, and the protection. Also, in friendship, we need to remember what King Solomon mentioned in Proverbs 27 and verse 6. When he said, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
When there is friendship, spouses can confront each other in love and in humbleness. Why they confront each other? To help each other to grow and to change into the image of Christ. If you have fear or if you are scared to confront your spouse, then there is no friendship. Because a true friend is not scared to confront his friend. Because there is a lot of love between both of them. That's why he can confront without being scared. If there is no love, then the person cannot confront the other. So, here actually, are you scared to confront your spouse? If the answer is yes, then you lost the friendship. St. John said there is no fear in love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Also, the openness in friendship. Remember how you speak to your friend. Think about it. You don't plan. Whatever comes to your mind, you say it. There is complete openness between you and your friend. You open your heart. You speak about your dreams. You speak about your burdens. Everything, actually, you can share it with him without reluctance. Also, there is transparency when you speak to your friend. In the same way, any spouse should be able to be completely open with the other spouse without fear of rejection. If I am afraid to be rejected, if I am open, then we lost the friendship. Friends, they will never belittle each other. Friends don't put each other down. But friends, actually, they listen with open heart and with open mind to the other person. In John chapter 15 and verse 15, it's easy to remember, 15, 15. The Lord said what? No longer do I call you servant, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. So the Lord said to us, if you are servants, my servants, I will not disclose anything for you, because a servant doesn't know what his master does. But you are my friends. And because you are my friends, I have told you all what I heard, all what I heard from the fathers. All things that I heard from my father. So, do you deal with your spouse as a servant or as a friend? If you are hiding things from her or from him, then you perceive your spouse as a slave, as a servant. Because as the Lord said, the servant does not know what his master is doing. If your spouse don't know what you are doing, then you are treating her or him as a servant. But if you are treating your spouse as a friend, the Lord said, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. So in friendship, there is complete openness. And this openness is based on the trust between both of you. And as I said yesterday, trust is a very important foundation for a successful marriage. Why we lost the friendship? If you ask any spouse who lost their friendship, what are the reasons? The first reason they will tell you, there is no time. Many activities are competing for our time. Work, household needs, 
uh, even if I'm serving in the church, social needs, all these things actually competing for my time. So I don't have time to spend with my spouse as friends. But is friendship priority in our life or not? If we understand the importance of friendship in marriage, then we have to make it priority. Remember, during the engagement time, or if there is time of dating before engagement, you are at this time you just graduated and you are building your career, and definitely you are busy, but you made a time and you spent a lot of time together, talking over the phone, going out together, spending time together. Why you lost this? Why now you say, I don't have time? Is it really you don't have time or you lost the friendship or you are not interested anymore? As we say here, if there is a will, there is a way. If you value the friendship, you will find a time for it. And you can develop the friendship with your spouse. And even many studies proved that when friendship is strong between the couple, the marriage is very successful. But if they lost their friendship, the marriage will be very fragile. The second reason why couples say we lost friendship because they lost the friendship feeling. What do I mean they lost the friendship feeling? Friends usually, they respect one another. You never choose a person to say he is my friend and then you fight with him all the time. You don't pick somebody to fight with him and say that's my friend. So, in marriage, many times we lose the feeling of friendship and we lose the respect for one another. And we use harsh words when we confront one another. If we lost the friendship, then we will lose the feeling of acceptance. And yesterday I spoke about acceptance and I said, this is a major issue in the conflict between couples. For example, a wife wants to speak to her husband about her day, because as I said, there has to be openness. But he looks very not interested and he gives her the feeling that she is boring and he is not just reflecting on what she is saying, etc. Gradually, you are building a barrier between both of you. That's why keep the friendship and be interested in each other, interested in what he says, what are his issues. Even if these are not your interests, but because you love the other person, you listen to him. Again, think about your friends. Whenever your best friend comes to you with any topic, you will listen to him and you pay attention and you show interest in what he says. Another reason is we don't talk like friends anymore. What's the difference between this point and the point before we have lost that friendship feeling? That we lost the friendship feeling is about how we talk to each other. This point, we don't talk like friends anymore. It's about the content of our talks, not about the how we talk to each other, but what we discuss with each other. Again, I want you to think about if you have a very close friend. When you meet with him, what you talk about? You talk about spiritual stuff, sports, politics, good memories, dreams for the future, 
Most of the time, that's our dear friends, that's how we talk. I don't think that you have a close friend and every time you meet him or her, you talk about your problems and your expectations and what you don't like in him or in her. Actually, if that's what you talk about with your friends, then this friendship will be lost. Because your friend will tell you, since I'm not meeting your expectation, why, why you keep this friendship? True friends, they don't argue. They don't fight with each other. But they share together their dreams, their hobbies, what they are interested in, their desires. They enjoy their time together. That's why they can spend one hour, two hours, three hours, and they don't feel the time. And if somebody is upset, goes to his friend, and he will find support. If he's happy with good news, he will go to his friend and he will find his friend is rejoicing with him. And sometimes when something nice or something funny or something good happened to you, I want you to ask yourself this question. When you something like nice or good or funny happened to you, then you are thinking, I will share this with. With whom? If you're going to share it with your friend, not with your spouse, then you lost the friendship in your marriage. If a name of friend came to your mind, not the name of your spouse, then there is a closer friend to you than your spouse. Then this means the friendship in your marriage is at risk. That's what friends are speaking about. They enjoy their time. Let us see what couples speak about. Speak about problems with kids, problems in their work, financial problems, in-laws problems, problems with each other, how they are not happy with each other. That's what couples usually they talk about. And who will like actually every time I talk, we talk about problems and this is stressful conversation. If you have a friend and this friend all the time comes to you with complaints, 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 do you think you will be interested in this friendship? But if you have a friend every time comes to you or you go to him, he will find you happy and make you happy and you enjoy your time together. We need actually to think about the content when we talk with each other. Definitely, there is a big difference between having a friend and in marriage. Because you don't make decisions with your friends. Friends, they don't talk about budget, but couples should talk about budget. We don't discuss about conflict with kids or in-laws, but couples, they need to discuss these things. So the, the solution here, you need actually to set a time every week to discuss these issues. One hour or two hours every week. But other than this, you need to, be, to talk like friends. And you need to discuss or to talk about things that bring joy and happiness to both of you. Please don't make all the time talking about problems. For example, your anniversary and you are celebrating your anniversary and you are going out, for example, for a dinner together. And then you start opening problems, conflict with kids, with finances, etc. This time is not to discuss problems. This time is to celebrate your anniversary, celebrate your birthday. Don't make this time a stressful time. 
make it an enjoyable time. You need to develop good memories. Good memories will help you to continue in, in the marriage. But most of the time, think about it. When we fight, when we are in a vacation, when we go out to eat together, there is a demon, I call him the demon of the feasts. Nativity feast, Christmas, resurrection. Usually, many family problems. One, a feast is a time to relax, to enjoy, to be happy. So, couples, they lost the ability to enjoy each other. The stressor of life pressuring them. Don't be at the mercy of the stressors of the life. You need to be in control of these stressors, not to be at the mercy of them. And you need to know how to enjoy your time. How to enjoy your time together. And definitely, if a couple has a lot of conflicts, this will erode and destroy the friendship. Sometimes I hear, I don't hear his voice. I don't live with her anymore. And sometimes I hear the word, I hate him or I hate her. The time that I spend outside the house is more relaxing for me than going to the house. And there are many reasons. Maybe there is invalidation, there is escalation, there is negative interpretation. That's why many people run away from their homes and from their houses. A wise person built his house on the rock. And the rock is the rock of peace. You cannot build your house on a foundation of conflict, an argument, and fighting. A house is built on this, is built on the sand. So any storm will destroy this house. As a wise person, build your house on the rock of peace. Don't let your disagreement turn into conflict and fights. Otherwise, your house is built on the sand. Another point that destroys your marriage and the friendship in marriage is the reckless words. Sometimes we use very, very harsh words and we choose them carefully because I want to hurt my spouse. Believe me, many times even after you reconcile, but the wound is still there. Be careful in choosing your words. If you are angry, don't use harsh words to pierce the other person, to wound him. Because as I told you, Many times, after you reconcile, the wound is still there. Another point that I want to bring to your attention. Sometimes we feel safe to share vulnerable points in our life. And when we share it, the other spouse shows support, shows acceptance, empathy, which is good and beautiful. Then maybe two or three years later, they fight with each other. And during this fight, so the husband or the wife choose what was shared in a vulnerable point and use it to actually hurt the other person. This is actually very destructive to the really friendship in marriage and to the marriage itself. For example, if a wife shared with her husband 
that she grew in abusive family. Her father was controller and he abused her verbally and maybe physically, etc. So the husband, when he heard this, he showed sympathy and empathy and support. Wonderful. Then later on, one year or two years later, they fought with each other. So now he will tell her, you know why you are fighting with me? Because you were abused by your father. And you have a trauma. And he start to hurt her with what was shared in a vulnerable point. Or sometimes when we laugh with each other, we use also harsh words. As we read in Proverbs 12 and verse 18. There is one who speaks like piercing of a sword. His words like piercing of a sword. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. And don't say, I don't mean it, I'm just laughing. I remember one time His Grace Bishop Ruiz of the Blessed Memory said, if when you joke with one another, you joke by cursing them or insulting them. Then how God would entrust you to go to heaven? It, because it's going to be a problem if you want to joke with St. Mary or St. George or St. Anthony with the same, yani use the same words and the same style. So reckless words that hurt like piercing swords very destructive to the friendship. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, we read about Adam and Eve that both of them were naked and unashamed. What does it mean, naked and unashamed? Means the ability to uncover all my thoughts, all my emotions all my dreams, to be completely open, to be completely naked, meaning I can uncover everything, my thoughts, my heart, my emotions, my dreams, everything, without fear of being ashamed. That is the meaning of naked and unashamed. The ability to uncover everything without being ashamed. That's why in confession, in confession actually you disclose everything to your father of confession. If a person felt that the father of confession here is judgmental or looking down on him or he is not like before, he doesn't show acceptance, he will tell you, I don't feel comfortable with this, I don't want to confess with him anymore. And usually, especially the youth, when they come for the first time, they test one. they don't say everything. They will say just a few things and look at the expression on Abuna's face, how, how he would perceive them. If they found Abuna is supportive, non-judgmental, loving and accepting, this will encourage him to open up and say everything. But if, if he feels Abuna is disconnected, or judging him or whatever, then this will be the first and last time and will start to look for another spiritual father. The same happens between couples. They test each other at the beginning and they see when we show love and support and empathy and respect, this atmosphere will help complete openness then they will be naked and unashamed. So in conclusion, what should we do if we lost a friendship in marriage? Is it too late? What if now while you examine yourself, 
you find out that you lost your friendship in marriage. Or maybe your friendship is not strong. There is no openness, there is no honesty, there is no transparency. You don't feel comfortable. What you need to do? Three actually simple principles can resurrect your friendship again. Can revive your friendship again. Number one, make time. Spend the time with your spouse. And this time is not to talk about problems. As I told you, sign one or one or two hours every week to discuss all your problems or the serious issues in your marriage. But the rest of the week, the whole week, try to enrich the friendship during this time. When I say make time to friendship, means in this time you enjoy one another. You make your spouse happy. The second principle, protect your friendship from conflict and fighting. Sometimes we don't choose the right time to discuss our problems. For example, coming Sunday morning to the church, then you open a subject in the car and then you fight with each other. So either you will go back home or you come to the church and you are full of anger and you cannot pray. This is not the time. Don't discuss problems early in the morning before going to bed, when you are coming to the church or when you are going out to, for a dinner, when you celebrate birthday or anniversary, during feast time. Please don't discuss problems during this time or at the table when you are eating your meals. These are not the time to discuss problems. Protect your friendship. Also, don't speak when you are angry. Calm down first. One time, somebody came to me and told me, Sayyidna, I'm so angry, so please just put up with me. Tell you no, why I should put up with you? <laughs> Tell you go, calm yourself, take 20 minutes, calm yourself and come and tell me all what you said, but not in an angry way. And he listened. And after 20 minutes, actually, he was calm and he came to me and he discussed all the issues that bothered him. And we had a very good conversation. So when you are angry, please don't speak. When you are angry, it's like when the, we, we call it in Egypt radiator, when the, the, the water in the radiator is boiling. If you open the radiator at this time, what will happen? The, the water, the boiling water will come to your face and will burn you. That's exactly when you open your mouth and speak while you are angry. Then if the water in the radiator is, is very, very boiling, what we, what we do, we wait until it calms down. Then we open it gradually to release the pressure so it will not burn your face. The same technique, you need to use it when you are angry. You need to calm down. And in psychology, they say, if you are so angry, you can calm down completely in 20 minutes. When you start looking at the situation, from another perspective. But if you keep putting charcoal on the fire inside you, you will never calm down. But you need just to calm down your thoughts. So don't speak when you are angry. Because when you confront your spouse, what's your goal? Is your goal reconciliation? Or the goal just to let him or her know their mistakes. The goal should be reconciliation. So while you are angry, if you are speaking in anger way, you will not achieve the goal. 
And your goal should not be to let him or her know what they are doing wrong. The second principle, protect your friendship from conflict. The third principle, learn how you talk as friends. Friends listen to each other. Friends empathize with each other. Friends don't hold grudges against each other. Friends support each other. Think about how you deal with your friends and apply these rules to dealing with your wife or with your husband. We need actually to learn how to talk as friends. Ask yourself, are you happy when you spend the time with your spouse? If the answer is no, then you lost your friendship. Many times when your spouse comes like with a problem in work, so you take the attitude of the counselor when you start to give her or him advice. Many times they know what they are going to do. They are speaking just to vent not to seek advice. So just listen. Listen to them. Don't volunteer advices when they did not ask you for it. When your spouse comes to you speaking about issue or concern, just first listen and listen and show interest and show empathy with them. Friendship is like a seed. If you take care of it, it will grow and become a beautiful tree. But if you did not take care of it, it will die completely. All of you had this seed when you start dating with each other or dying of engagement. But unfortunately, with time, we lost the, the seed of friendship. But again, you can resurrect your friendship by these three principles. Number one, make time for friendship. Number two, protect your friendship from conflict. Number three, go and talk back as a friend. Learn how to talk to your spouse as a friend. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.